Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. What they consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. Hey, listeners. So today we have a charrette. And this charrette is a recording of the presentation that Lizzie and I, Jessica, made in Los Angeles back in October of 2022 at the Powerful Nine Conference, put on by the Women in Architecture Committee of AIA Los Angeles. The conference theme was Everyday Allies. So without further ado, here we go. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today to learn more about exploring the women who came before us in the profession and how we can learn more about their stories. I'm Lizzie Rahr. This is Jessica Rogers, and we are two thirds of She Builds podcast. Sadly, we're missing our third host, Nergiti Rivas. She's back in Houston, Texas, but says hello to everyone from afar. So we're going to start off way back at the beginning. Jessica, Nergidi, and I all met during our freshman year at Syracuse University School of Architecture 14 years ago, which crazy to think it's been that long. (laughs) Yes. Jessica and I were actually in the same studio and we sat a few desks apart. And during those five years, we lived together at various points, supported each other through the grueling days of studio and formed a very close knit group of eight women who are like family. After graduating, we ended up all over the country and the world, but we've kept in close contact through the ups and downs of life and careers. So three years ago, Nurjidi, who's a lover of history, started looking for a history podcast about women in architecture. Sadly, she couldn't find it. So she had the idea that maybe she could start it herself. And so she pitched the idea to a male friend of hers, and he told her, hmm, I'm not sure you could make a whole show about that. It sounds more like a limited series. This, of course, didn't sit well with Nergidi, and she essentially said to him, challenge accepted. And so (laughs) she reached out to Jessica and I separately, and we both said yes, that we'd like to join. And that's how She Builds Podcast was born. I mean, 
it wasn't immediate, right? There's a lot of figuring out the logistics. What are we going to call ourselves? But the main goal of the show was very clear to try and find as many stories of women in history as we could and to share their life stories, the good, the bad and the ugly. We've definitely had help along the way to make us sound good and professional. Um, A graphic designer friend of mine designed our logo. Friends of ours from Syracuse had formed a band called CMYK. They let us use their song as our theme music. And John, a friend of Nergides and a tech guru, kindly became our technical producer and is honestly the reason that we sound as good as we do. I mean... If you get the three of us who are old friends together chatting, he's got his work cut out for him. (laughs) Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But we love that the podcast is this inclusive effort and has many people who make it possible to share these ladies stories so that we can further promote inclusivity within the profession. So the initial goal, like I said, was to share as many stories as we could. And when we describe the show, we say that it is a podcast about women in the design and construction industry featuring the seldom told stories of women who build, women whose worth is not taught in schools, but who have shaped the industries of architecture, construction, and development over the last century. Now, remember that guy who thought this was only going to be a limited series? I mean... As much as we always talk about him and we give him a little bit of flack, we always say that we can't really fault him for thinking that, right? Even if it spurred us on to prove him wrong, because I'm not sure about all of you, but when you think back on your architectural history classes, who were the architects you learned about? For us at Syracuse, it was mostly white, European, and American men. And between the three of us, when we started this, I think we could name about five historical female architects at that time. We could name more current women in the profession, but it was the historic women who we were really interested in. So in figuring out the structure of our show, we started by making a rule that we would focus on women who had passed away. And that currently remains a rule for us so that we can really focus on women of the past and bring their stories to light. We say that we want to have Julia Morgan be as relevant as Le Corbusier, because I don't know about you, but anyone else learned way too much about Corbu in school. I know we did, but (laughs) (laughs) as much as we want to promote these women of history, the research we do is also for us. It fills in the gaps that we have in our own architectural history education. So. Not only do we focus on architects, but landscape architects, engineers, and honestly, any woman who has affected the building industry in some way. We've done episodes on nurses, social workers, and politicians who have shaped building design in some way. And we also try to look at women from all over the world and different backgrounds to keep that inclusivity element going. Now, of course, we don't want to totally ignore the amazing women who are out there working so hard to give women a foothold in the industry today. So we decided that for every historic woman that we talk about, we also want to highlight a living woman who is connected to the woman of history in some way. So at the end of each episode, we have a segment called The Caryatid. All right. Does anybody remember their architectural history well enough to know what a caryatid is? Anyone? Yes? No? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, a caryatid is a stone carving of a woman used as a column or a pillar to support the structure of a Greek or Greek-style building, like the Erechtheion in Athens pictured here. The living woman that we focus on is our caryatid and represents all the women who are working today and holding up the profession for those to come after them. We get a lot of questions about 
the research and how we do that for the show or how we decide who we're going to talk about. Each season of the show, we collectively pick a theme to try and create connections between the ladies and give us some direction in who we pick. Some past themes are international or non-American, non-architects, educators, among others. Then it's mostly a lot of searching online through various resources or books that we've come to trust and know. For example, uh, Cynthia's organization, the Beverly Willis Foundation, has a great website and resource that we have used for some of our episodes. And we've also found other resources like Anna Lewis's book, Women of Stone and Steel, and the websites Madame Architect and Undione Architecta, to name a few. It's through these resources of other women that we can bring these stories to our show. We've been blown away by how many women we've found in our research. And the biggest issue we find in researching is finding enough information to do a full episode or sometimes finding enough information in English. But we try to gather what we can and we hope to keep pushing to find more about those women who don't have as much written about them. Okay, we want to share a quick example of ladies you might not have heard about and give you a little preview of the show and what we do. So I'll start by telling you a bit about Amaza Lee Meredith. She was born August 14th, 1895 in Lynchburg, Virginia. Her parents pushed the importance of education on her and her siblings. Her dad taught her about building, which piqued her interest in architecture at an early age. She wanted to become a teacher, and after high school, she attended the Virginia Normal and Industrial Institute in Petersburg, Virginia, where she met her partner, Edna Mead Colson. They would stay together for the rest of her life. After getting her teaching certification, she taught in rural Virginia for a few years and then decided to head to Harlem in New York City to live with her sister and attend Columbia University Teachers College to specialize in fine art and art appreciation. She also took classes and learned about interiors and architecture while she was in New York City. She received a bachelor's degree in art education in 1930 and went back to her alma mater to start teaching. But then she decided, I need another degree, and she went back to Columbia to get her master's. In 1935, she made her final return to Virginia to teach at Virginia State College, which today is Virginia State University. When she returned, she founded the art department, which still exists today. She hoped to interest students who were thinking of doing domestic science courses to take art classes and to learn graphic design, fine art, and architecture principles, which would hopefully inspire them to go into those fields. When she was back in Virginia, she designed and built her own house called Azarist South where she and Edna lived for the remainder of their lives. She willed the house to the school, and it's now the alumni house for the university. You can see the influences from the international style that she had learned about while in New York. In the 1940s, Amaza and her sister Maud founded Azarist Syndicate Incorporated, which helped develop the Azarist North subdivision of Sag Harbor on Long Island as a vacation community for Black families. Amaza served as secretary for the organization and even designed a few of the homes in the development. She retired from teaching in 1958 and passed away in 1984. If you want to learn more about Amaza and hear the more nitty gritty parts of her life, you can check out episode 32 of our show. All right. So I would like to just do a brief little um, history lesson on two other ladies uh, that... I think are really key to this presentation, especially in the conversation of everyday allies and mentors. The first is uh, our episode 22 lady, Dorothy May Richardson. Our story takes place in 1922 uh, in Pittsburgh. Dorothy May 
would a little preview she would become a woman that would influence community-led development uh she would work on organizations like citizens against slum housing um that with her group they would talk to city bankers and commerce to work on giving loans to people that were of um underrepresented communities um, with that organization and in 1968 with the Fair Housing Act, they would be able to make their organization grow to become what is now known as the Neighborhood Housing Services or NHS that would service across 300 com- cities back in 1968, but then it would grow to what we now know it as a national organization. What I like about her story is that Dorothy isn't an architect or an urban planner, but yet she would say that at a book club with her homegirls, they just got tired of seeing these dilapidated houses and they wanted to make a change. And with that, now we have these national organizations that still exist today and that still impact the communities that we live in. Now, the second lady that I want to talk about is our episode 57 lady, Doris Duke, who was a pioneer in historic preservation. Now, unlike Dorothy May, Doris, she was a rich lady. She would be known to be the richest little girl in the world. Born in 1912, her and uh, her allies, she would start the group called the Newport Restoration Foundation. Uh, Primarily, it started in Rhode Island, where she would buy these houses and work with local craftsmen and architects to restore them. And then she would um, have other people live in those houses um, and just maintain them. So here's another example of someone that, not necessarily in the AEC industry, but has impacted and influenced the kind of work that architects do today between urban planning and historic preservation, which I think is it's interesting to for us to see how we can make this world a better place and who we count as allies. Um, so I just wanted to give you a preview of just two other examples, but what's important about these stories that we tell is just what do we, uh, what can we learn from them? What are they teaching us? For us, we'd like to say that, you know, these ladies, they inspire us, they keep us moving forward. In a way, they have become our own mentors and our, our allies for us to just keep pushing forward. It's one of the reasons why on our social media we love to share quotes. And here are a few examples like from Jane Jacobs, one of our favorites. It's quote, we expect too much of new buildings and too little of ourselves. Or how about this other one from Florence Knoll? I needed the piece of furniture for a job. It was not there. So I designed it. Or how about one from our karyotids? Uh, Paola Melendez Dominguez, when we had our karyotid Lillian G. Marad and Lauren Ashley. Paola says, any maker will tell you that some of the most peaceful meditative moments in their life have been those spent crafting, holding their tools, making something out of nothing. So we share these quotes because we hope that as they inspire us, we hope that they inspire others. 
we need to tell more stories, right? Our goal that we mentioned earlier is that we want to show a more equitable profession and an inclusive profession that allows anyone to feel like they belong in this industry. And we want to be able to reach a much wider audience. So in other words, allies need more allies, right? And when you have more allies, you got friends. And with friends, you can share more things. And with that, it brings to, I think, a milestone for us is when we joined Gable Media Network, um, because it allowed us to on other shows it allowed us to tell our story and to speak to uh, schools and you know just bring our message to a much wider space and we are so grateful and thankful for that um we've got to speak with authors and we've got to speak with other podcasters as well but you know the question is what drives us right what fuels us and what fuels us is our listeners you know we want to create more allies and we want to create more powerful people in the industry to bring our message and to inspire others to just do something that fuels you and that makes you uh want to be better so if we could give advice to others is that just do it, you know? If you build it, they will come, as the old adage says. You know, what what helped us was to define our mission, Um, and we became very passionate about it, and then the next step was for us to figure out the outlet that we wanted to do it in, which in our case was a podcast because as Norjidi's early uh, aspirations was, was that she wanted to hear a podcast about historical women in architecture. And I think what I also love, or the other piece of advice that I could give, is that you don't have to do it alone. Like, Norjidi, bring your friends, you know? (laughs) You don't have to do it alone. You can bring other allies to help move the change forward. Um, So with that, we'd like to say thank you. And we can't wait to see what you guys have in store for what projects you have ahead. So that was the end of our presentation. It was really cool to be there in LA to give a presentation in person. Yeah. I liked this idea of allies, especially because it seemed like such a poignant conversation to have. And we talk about ladies, but I think what we mentioned in our presentation very briefly is that we say allies but we don't mean it's just your homegirls it could be any kind of ally that is there to help you yeah i mean we talk a lot about how we see the women that we talk about as our allies and mentors and that's something Mm -hmm. that definitely spurs us on and so i think allyship has a lot of forms yeah so with that i think we'd like to just give thanks to the AIA Los Angeles Women in Architecture chapter for inviting us to come and speak. Um, We'd like to thank all of y'all listeners. Um, At some point, we'll include perhaps a few slides of our presentation on our social media just because we do give a little shout out to y'all in our presentation. We got a few screenshots of tweets and Insta posts 
and stuff. And all the love <laughs> that you send our way. We really, really appreciate it. And it fuels us to keep going. So, yeah. So until the next charrette or until the next episode, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.